broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 242. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. I'm Zoot. Schmitty, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. We missed you. Very good. Uh, Colin cannot join us. He is in the hospital under mysterious circumstances. Where I believe he's a tried to kill a person, or Maybe. someone tried to kill him. Someone tried to kill him. I think we have those details mixed up. I don't know. We really don't know with Colin. I I think like even if he tried to kill someone, he'd roll a one and end up almost dead himself. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's Colin. Um, hey, we want to give a shout out to our friends over at TrekRadio.net, KryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio.com, Stitcher.com, Eagle Moss Limited, and Forty Eight Fourteen Web Hosting. Hey guys. Yes. You know, did you know that we're moving on Krypton Radio? Yeah. Uh, do we need to get friends to come help? Please come, everyone. Zoner's Star Wars collection is just annoyingly everywhere. We just need to put it all into a box and move it. Um, but he's offering to pay for pizza and beer. Sweet. Um, oh, wait. No, wait. That's not <laughs> sweet. That's my money. That's my money you're spending. <laughs> um. Zoner just put two very racist pictures into our, uh, our, our show chat. So, uh, we're trying to avoid those now. Um, no, we are moving <laughs> to an hour earlier on Krypton Radio. You'll still hear us on Tuesdays and Saturdays, but now we are an hour earlier. So instead of having to avoid listening to us because you're driving home from work, you get to listen to us in your last hour of work. Yay. Right. So that's leave work cool. early. There you go. Yes. We are forcing you to leave work early to avoid listening to us. We're sorry. Just saying. <laughs> now I feel like such a jerk when you put it that way. Well, we kind of are. We all are. It's just what we are as geeks. Hey, I, got, I really am. <laughs> we got some feedback uh, this week, uh, again from Glue. He gives us a hashtag droid spread. Hmm. Is that like something you put on sandwich? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think there's a reference to last week's show, but I'm struggling to think of what it is. I can't remember what I did two hours ago, let alone a, sh- a week ago. Well, it's from the, all the heroin you're dropping in your eyes because of your eye surgery. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, Glue, we're really sorry. You have to understand, many, most of the time we're recording these shows, it's really late, and we're kind of in an altered state. Uh, I'll go back and try and listen and see what it is that's in reference to. Uh, but he also writes, how can you technology doctors tell the difference between a Google Pixel and an Apple or Microsoft Pixel? They all look the same to me. Maybe I'm just ignorant. Zook, I suggest you tread lightly. You might anger your wife and get murdered. I doubt Zoner wants to do another solo episode. Also, I don't mean ast- astronomical tread. Good show. Keep them coming. Uh, he's referencing there my desire to A, be an astronaut, and B, date Christina Hendricks. <laughs> my wife is aware of both of these desires. Both are admirable <laughs> desires. In, in regards to the uh, Google Pixel versus Apple Pixel, let's clear it up right here. The Google Pixel is a very capable Chromebook. The Apple Pixel doesn't exist. Yes. Well, and, and here's <laughs> here's why I'm confused, because, um, Glue, I'm not sure if, like, you mean, like, an actual Pixel on a screen, in which case you're right, they are all the same, uh, because a Pixel on a Google device would be the same as a Pixel on an Apple device or a Pixel on a Microsoft device. I don't think that's what you mean, but in case you did, yes, you're right, but that's not what we were talking about. The Google Pixel is a Chromebook. Uh, Chromebook was just an insane display, I mean, in, in a good way, which is why they call it the Pixel. Uh, then you have the Retina Display MacBook Airs, 
which I think would be about as close to on par size wise, hardware wise, uh, and resolution wise as a Google Pixel. And then you have the new Microsoft Surface Book. The difference is, um, well, kind of what we just said. The Google Pixel is a Chromebook, so it runs Chrome OS. Um, the MacBook Air is a OS X device that runs El Capitan. Yes. <laughs> and the Surface Book is a tablet laptop hybrid convertible that costs as much as most actual convertibles. And and runs almost anything you throw at it. Yeah. It's Windows 10. I want that machine. <laughs> I so <Absolutely>. do. <laughs> but do you know how much the top of the line model runs? It's like $3,500. It's insane. Yeah, I saw something today. I think somebody posted something on Reddit or Imgur or something saying that they saved up enough money to buy a new MacBook, <laughs> bought a, bought a um, Windows PC and a car instead. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a, a Surface Book could pay for your college education. Just saying. Um, otherwise, there are major differences. I, I think what you're noticing is that that industrial design, that super thin, zero-degree bezel, high-resolution screen laptop design is becoming more standard across a lot of manufacturers. But let's not forget who did it first. Sony. <laughs> this is true. They've done it since Fio. Yeah. So. I was going to say Apple because they're innovative. <laughs> they're the first to get recognized for it because they were enough to toot their own horn saying that they invented it. Yes. But yeah, no, the, like the, Al Gore with the internet. The, the Sony Vio laptops were so svelte and sexy looking before they ever had the hardware behind them to really yeah. back that up. They looked yeah. like the future and ran like two weeks ago. <laughs> like two years ago. I, yeah, I was going to say two weeks. I, that's being nice. I got one when I first uh, got hired on my current job just because they had to get a, a computer for me really quickly, and that was the only one Best Buy had at the time. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it looked really sexy, but it could barely run Excel. <laughs> I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I couldn't run more than two or three apps without it lagging a little bit. To be fair, weren't you, like, running three instances of Minecraft and recording a podcast while opening Excel? <laughs> Not on the Vio, no. Okay. <laughs> Oh no! You do that on your current one with uh, with how much RAM? Thirty. I upgraded to sixty four gigs. Of RAM. Are you I kidding? You. <laughs> <laughs> My IT guy comes up to me and is like, "Hey, I've got these sixteen gig chips. You want them? Yes. How many? <laughs> I've got four. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if my laptop can run them. Yes, they can. <laughs> Even the so, laptop's going. Sure. Why not? Let's see if I can do this. Wow. Yeah. I have RAM envy. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have major RAM insecurities right now. I'm RAM intimidated. RAM <laughs> Yeah, okay. That did sound as good as you thought you would think that they could have. Non-tech people still probably think we're talking about trucks. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a four-ton RAM stick. <laughs> Long bed. Um, okay, so into our headlines. I don't understand this first one. Zoner, take it away. I don't know. So, Taghauer, they come up. We've talked about it. They've got like the $3,000 um, smartwatch, I guess, or something. It connects to your phone. It's supposed to be awesome. I, I don't remember when we talked about it. I think it was that night we were all here at my place. 
but it's fifteen hundred dollar, uh, both online and in select boutiques, not stores. It sells in boutiques because it's fancy watch. But they understand that in a couple of years, the watch will be outdated. And te- technology changes quickly. They want to accommodate that. So if you purchase a con- Tag Hour connected smartwatch, at the end of the two-year warranty, they will swap it out for you, assuming you want to pay an additional $1,500. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of cool. They'll give you some sort of credit towards the new one. So the, that's kind of—I mean—it's curious to me because it's—they're uh, <laughs> banking on the idea that smartwatches are are just a fad. And so, what happens in two years when nobody's buying mechanical watches anymore except for the collectors, and they have to keep appealing, appeasing that market, you know? But, I think they might be more banking on the idea that in two years your smartwatch will be obsolete. I mean, we talked about this, the idea of having to buy a new one every two years. But I I got to level with you. The type of person who wants to buy a new watch every two years for $3,000 or $1,500, just buy a regular smartwatch, people. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're going for the name, I mean, if you're a, if you're a Tag Heuer, Heuer a collector or watch buyer and you want a smartwatch... You're not going to go buy the the three hundred dollar one that's beneath you, right? <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's for the plebeians. You don't need that. <laughs> but at, at the same time, like you, you go and you buy this Tag Heuer connected watch, and in two years, you're not going to go back to a mechanical watch. You're used to the smartwatch. You're going to want to upgrade to another smartwatch. Yeah, the, the one you have is going to be outdated because it's two years old. But you're going to want to upgrade to another smartwatch, not to one of their mechanical ones. So, yeah, just saying. But there are watch collectors out there like Zook that you know if they've got the disposable income they're going to they're going to jump all over it. I'm sorry, what do I have now? No, well, they're collectors <laughs> like you, but they have disposable income. Instead of disposable income, you have children. Yes. <laughs> so well, now now this would make sense in the case that I mean, if if the watch that you end up spending a total of three thousand four at the end of this at the end of this two year period is worth more than $3,000, I can see this being a selling point, saying, hey, try out this smartwatch, and if it doesn't work out for you, spend an extra 1500 and get this $5,000 watch. You know, that I can see making more sense, whereas this other one just sounds like, you know, they're not on board with the smartwatch thing. It doesn't sound like they're invested in the long, the long run. That, that is really what it sounds like. It, it I does, agree, yeah. Like you mentioned, they think it may be just a fad. Yeah. I, I don't think that wearables are a fad at no. this point. If if they were a fad, I think they would have gone away and Apple wouldn't have gotten in a game and you wouldn't see all these new companies trying to jump into the market as quickly as they are. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I wouldn't have thought of that before you mentioned it, but it is it is coming across that way. Yeah. Then again, yeah. honestly, I'm not really sure why Taghauer is making a smartwatch. Because, <laughs> because they can. Yeah, yeah because yeah, that they is, can. That's pretty much it. Never mind. <laughs> Well done, Schmidt. You've debunked that math for me. <laughs> I mean, the, the only other people we, we have yet to see is like Rolex and uh, what are the other two big... Timex members? could do it. Seiko, Bulova. What yeah. about Texas Instruments, man? Those calculator watches back in the 80s were awesome. I'm sure I they could... could <laughs> I could play Snake <laughs> on, my, on my watch, yeah. I'm sure yeah. they've got an upgrade for that just sitting there in the pipelines. 
Um, and to some T-Mobile announcements. This is kind of cool. They had their Uncarrier event this week where they announced that they are giving us free video streaming to our phones. It's not quite as cool as they made it sound. I mean, because just by that headline sounds, hey, that's awesome, right? That's great. It's not all the different services you want. For instance, YouTube is out. They claim, and I'm sure there's an element of truth to this, they claim that uh, it's because the video format doesn't work with their compression levels. They, they run the services through their own custom compression, which allows them to give you SD quality video unlimited. I don't. I, no, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it either. I think it's honestly because people just watch a crap ton of YouTube, and that would still overload their ability to yeah. to give it. Well, and, and also not included in this list is Facebook, which I believe they said they just reached the 5 million video per day uh, spike or whatever. A couple billion, I want to say, yeah. Oh, a couple billion, okay. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, YouTube and Facebook, the the one of the... So two of the biggest video consumers on the internet right now aren't included in this list. I'm I'm starting to think that maybe the ones that are included, Netflix, HBO Now, HBO Go, Watch It, ESPN, Fox Sports, and Hulu, they probably have some kind of contract or something with these guys. Not unlike the uh, the Comcast deal with Netflix. Mm-hmm. So now uh, people, some net neutrality people are saying, wait a minute, how is this? This is this goes against net neutrality, doesn't it? Because I'm not sure I agree with that stage either because they're not prioritizing traffic over another. They're taking all these different video services, putting them through their own compression, and serving them up on their own platform. Just not charging you for it. Right. So I I don't necessarily agree with that. By the way, I'd like to uh, devolve into a different discussion. I have real issues with Facebook video. (laughs) I have real issues with Facebook, period. Yes, um, I'm, I'm starting to think Schmitty had the right idea when he uh, jumped ship from there. And if I didn't have uh, a whole load of family that all rely on it, um, I'd probably be out. So Schmitty brought it up. They said, hey, look, we've had this many video views in this short a time, right? Isn't that awesome? Does anyone here happen to know how they come to that number? <laughs> what counts as a view? If it shows up in know. your news feed? Three <laughs> seconds of play. They yeah they auto play even on the mobile app yeah. they auto play and so that that counts as a view yeah they auto play and if they auto play for three seconds that counts as a view so if you're really slow and scrolling through your feed guess what you just racked up twenty views on videos you didn't watch that's what they're counting cheaters <laughs> and most of it is content stolen from YouTube creators yeah. But yeah, yeah. Have you started? I, I started noticing them doing this. If someone posts a YouTube video, within within like a day, it becomes a Facebook video, and you no longer have the original YouTube link. Yeah, doesn't happen on all videos, but I started noticing on a lot of them uh, where someone would say, "Oh, I, I don't have the YouTube link anymore. It's it's just Facebook video." And I, the only thing I can think of is that Facebook is is downloading them and serving them up themselves. Yep, it's, and YouTube artists aren't paid for it. Yeah. No, no. That's a big no, no, Facebook. Well, we all know that Zuckerberg doesn't pay for stuff he gets. I mean, he doesn't care. He's the honey badger of the social media tech world. I saw the social network. I saw how Jesse Eisenberg (laughs) was there. Jesse Eisenberg's a jerk. (laughs) 
And we all know that that's 100% factual. Exactly. Like all movies. Yes. Um, but anyway, this is a really cool announcement T-Mobile did. Yes. Less cool is the announcement they didn't make, which also came out this week. Um, see, their uh, data plans got a price hike, probably to offset this. I would um, imagine so. Yeah. Uh, the, the $50 one gig plan becomes two gigs. Price stays the same. Um, the three gig plan becomes the six gig, but it's now $65. The 75, the $70 five gig plan becomes 10 gigs. It's now 80. I mean, you get, you get the idea. On one hand, it's like, Hey, they're giving us more data. On the other hand, Hey, they're raising our rates and there's nothing we can do about that. Say that you had, uh, the $60 plan and you had three gigs and they say, Hey, we'll give you six gigs now for $65. Well, that's great, but I only want to pay 60 Sorry, you can't. It's gone. On, on the other side, I mean, so, yeah, I, I, I get that. But so, so the five-gig plan, five plan doubling to 10 gigs for only $10, that's, that's quite a deal. And, yeah, I, I understand right. yeah. the idea that, you know, yeah, you're paying more. But if you look at it also the other way, you're paying for the five-gig plan. Um, if you're not okay with the price increase, you can drop down $5 and get an extra gig. So, you know, for five gig at $70 up to six gig for only $65. I mean, there's, there's give and take for everything. And, and if people are, are, you know, detail oriented about their, their bill, they could actually win in, in this case. <laughs> listen, listen to Schmitty gaming right. the system like a stone cold player. Well, and if you stop and think about it, too, this price hike, I mean, if somebody's accustomed to using less than five gigs a month, and all of a sudden they have 10 gigs a month, but they're paying an extra 10 bucks, what's the likelihood that they're immediately going to start using that 10 gigs each month? That's a good question. And so that could be free money in their pocket because people may not realize that, oh, I've got 10 gigs now and I'm paying 10 (laughs) bucks more. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because the mentality of, of data usage is, is really like that. It's a, I was paying for, for a 10-gig plan on Verizon, um, and and I noticed a couple months ago that the 15-gig plan was the exact same price for some reason. Like the 12-gig and the 13-gig and the 14-gig were all higher price, but then the 15-gig was priced the same as the 10-gig for some reason. So I jumped to the 15-gig. So little did I know that within those two months since I've uh, upgraded to 15 gig, we've gotten used to using 15 gig. And just yesterday, we went over that 15 gig limit. And so I upgraded it to 20 gig just recently. But it, it's funny how like you get used to using that data and you don't even think about it anymore. It becomes so much easier to use more and more data. Pretty soon, we're going to be seeing plans up to you know the 500 gig limit and things like that because people are going to be so used to consuming that data. Um, I'm, I've become guilty for that. Um, I only have two and a half gigs on my line, right? Uh, my, my family has the uh, four lines. We share 10 gigs of data, which means each line gets 2.5 gigs. Mm-hmm. I blew through over two gigs in four days. <laughs> the first four days in my billing cycle. What were you doing? <laughs> Evidently, um, my YouTube mobile app uh, when on mobile connection, I hadn't configured it to not pull the highest available bandwidth. So it was pulling like 2K and 4K videos. <laughs> Oops. You know wow. what another culprit is? 
uh, since, since I've increased my usage from 10 gig to almost 16 gig now, is it correlates with the time I started playing Ingress. So I go out ingressing, I'm listening to Spotify while I'm ingressing, and I, I don't know if the Ingress app itself pulls a lot of data, but I'm I'm listening to music while I'm ingressing, so... Yeah, I have cool. noticed that, yeah, my, <laughs> my ingress play seems to have eaten into my data considerably. Even I didn't though, know that ingressing was a verb, but... It is now. That's good to know. Oh, yeah. Actually, actually, it was before, too. We've ingressed the ingressors of... the. Never mind. I'm not even going to try. Ingress and egress are actual words. You know, they're... And you can ingress... No, I guess you can ingress into or egress out of. You don't, Yeah, they weren't verbs before. You ingress, yeah. No. Egress. No, I'm going to have to look them up now. <laughs> yeah, I, we're all just sitting here going, huh. Um, and my voice just cracked. Okay, so, and a funny little quirk. Um, a new review came out for Apple Music on Android. And the really funny thing about this is the fact that the picture of it is it's Apple Music on Android on a BlackBerry phone. Which BlackBerry phone would that be? Would it be the Perv? It is the Perv. Um, the funny thing about this is, and I wanted to say, what was it, like a couple months ago, the three of us said that eventually it's going to come down to the idea that all the mobile operating systems are going to be about the same. They're all going to become interchangeable and it's all going to come down to a matter of taste. We're seeing that now. Okay, we're looking at phone manufacturers that back in the day wouldn't have anything to do with each other. They'd just they'd rather sue each other than even look at each other. And now in this one picture, you have a perfect example of three of the major players. Okay, two of the major players and some Canadians all playing nicely <laughs> together on one platform. Mm-hmm. Those dang Canadians. <laughs> Do you think we can expect to see more of this? Because Microsoft has been making great inroads into Android. Apple's been a little more hesitant. I think they've only released two two apps, and one of them is an app trying to get you to switch over to iOS. Which I find absolutely hilarious. I can't believe that Google allows that. That's got to be against the terms of service somewhere. <laughs> Not Google's terms of service. They're against Apple's. That is true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um... So I don't know. I mean, where are we seeing this going? Is can this last? Is this kind of a golden age? I I, I still kind of think that that the future is all uh, going to be internet based, and so and and I I think I've said this on the podcast before, but regardless of OS, everything is going to start becoming more internet based and browser based, and so um. Where was I going with that thought? <laughs> um, the operating system, the way you view the operating system is going to be more and more ubiquitous and, and based on based on the functionality of the web instead of the functionality of the operating system or the, the person who made the operating system. Right. So, and I, I think that's where we're going. And, and you can kind of see since the creation of, of the iPhone, uh, that's, I mean, and we just mentioned a couple minutes ago that, that, all the phone manufacturers are kind of merging into the same, you know, functionality and, and way of use. Even the the UI of the operating systems are starting to look the same. So it's 
five fast forward five years, you're not going to be able to tell the difference. I actually saw an update today on um, Xbox One. I believe we got an update, and my first thought when I saw that was, "Wow, that looks a lot like Google." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Or is it Google that looks like Microsoft? <laughs> yeah. I, well, the that that bad bad Yeah, I don't. Know. Yeah. This is just a babbling episode. <laughs> I was actually doing that on purpose, Zuke. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of uh, different manufacturers borrowing from each other and trying to work together, let's go to one that isn't. Uh, in an interview, Tim Cook brought up the Surface Book. Did I say Tim Book? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there was some babbling in there, but I don't... <laughs> Tim I can't... Cook brought up the Microsoft Surface the Surface Book. Book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, book. So he, he brought up how great and how wonderful the iPad Pro is and how it's completely different than the Surface Pro and how the Surface Book is diluted. Now. Not diluted, but diluted. D- diluted. Like, like they're just completely <laughs> off their rocker. Exactly. Apple tried to backpedal that and say he actually said diluted. <laughs> Which, I got to tell you, Apple, isn't a better word. <laughs> no. Um, but this is at the same time that a lot of reviews are coming in and saying the iPad Pro is a bit of a waste. It does iPad things wonderfully, very fast, very well, but it doesn't do anything that normal iPads don't already do, other than, you know, kind of the side-by-side screen trick. You're still stuck on iOS. Don't yeah. forget, though, that it's super innovative. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is true. I, I think it's just kind of interesting that he's taking this kind of stance on it. And the Surface Book, on the other hand, he believes is just them trying to hit all the wrong notes and just screwing it up. His actual quote is, a, uh, a product that tries too hard to do too much. It's trying to be a tablet and a notebook, and all it really succeeds at being neither. I think based on the reviews that I've heard, I work with a bunch of guys who have them, and every one of them would probably say the only thing it succeeds at is being completely awesome. Yeah. yeah it is the one product uh, who Apple fans I know and Microsoft fans, of which I think I'm the only one, and Google fans have all agreed it is an awesome little piece of kit. It really is. And what it does, it does well, and it does everything. It's a computer. It's a full-blown computer in a tablet. Now, that being said, it costs as much as a used car, but... Still cheaper than a Mac. No, no, actually it's not. (laughs) Okay, so I did a side-by-side comparison on the uh, MacBook Pro, the MacBook Air, and the Surface Book. The Surface Book blows all of them out of the water at each level. RAM, hard drive, graphics, display processor everything battery life weight size it's amazing but most amazing is that it also blows them all out of the water in terms of price it's a lot more expensive than them yeah turns out it costs money to make something that powerful yeah and light and doesn't heat up in your hands and well since they had to go into the future to get it it only makes sense well that's free because the doctor just comes in his tardis and delivers them those time machines don't run on air, you know. <laughs> they run on Mr. Fusion. Yes. Um, 1.21 gigawatts. Let's go into some uh, obsolescence here. 
Oh, no, I skipped one. You did. I did. Let's go to that one instead. Comcast um, had to admit (laughs) that there was a bit of a security breach. Uh, Many of their customer accounts hit the dark web. Now, the dark web is evidently a new NCIS show, uh, but I don't think that's what they mean. (laughs) This is just PR for their their new series on NBC. Yes. NCIS dark web. Oh, no. I think that's an actual thing. Yeah. I I think I'm confusing with Law and Order dark web. (laughs) (laughs) In any case, uh, so a whole bunch of these accounts were sent in plain text and were for sale on the dark web marketplace, after which Comcast uh, contacted a whole bunch of customers and said, yeah, we reset your password. Can you please log in and change it? Because we didn't want to have you compromised. I don't know. Part of me wants to say this is actually the right way to handle it. But part just of me feels in. bad saying that because it's Comcast. Well, you know, just going in and doing it, it shows that they do have their customers' interests at heart, and they're trying to avoid lots of pain for credit monitors. It's Comcast. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> the second thing you said there, I think that's the real reason, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, when you compare this to many other breaches that have happened this year, they didn't deny it. They didn't say, nope, nope, not ours. This wasn't from us. This is all just a lie. They said, uh, yeah, better safe than sorry. Hey, we reset your password because, honestly, what's the harm? Yeah. Until grandma can't log into her email account. Well, let's be honest. Grandma doesn't use a Comcast email account. She's still using Judo. <laughs> <laughs> And if ever someone clears her cash and cookies, heaven help her, because she doesn't know what that password was. Because she, she said it in 1997. Yeah, it's the longest-running cookie ever. Was she using Windows 95? <laughs> A true story. My dad, back in the day, didn't want me to upgrade his computer from Windows 3.1 because he didn't want to lose his passwords. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Granted, his Windows 3.1, we, we upgraded eventually to 95. Uh, it wasn't online like it is now, but he did some online banking and some other stuff. And, and yeah, he was worried he was going to lose his passwords, and he didn't want to have to. Well, Dad, don't you remember what your password is? No, I just entered it once. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Mm. So, Speaking good support for Windows 3.1. <laughs> good job, Comcast? I feel confused saying that. It kind of makes you feel dirty, doesn't it? It does. I'm going to like cry in the shower all crying game style. <laughs> it's, it's the dirt that doesn't wash off. <laughs> it's like blood on my hands. I'm going to go back to my cord-cutted bliss. Cord-cut bliss. That doesn't sound right either. <laughs> like you've just been born? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it's, yeah, that's why I'm retracting what I said. <laughs> Good job. Very smooth. Didn't even notice. Um, Chrome. Chrome had previously mentioned that uh, they might be ending support for XP soon, uh, Windows XP. And then they clarified saying, yeah, we're probably going to do that starting next year. They've gone on to clarify that, no, they definitely are. Uh, And not just that, Windows Vista, Mac OS X 10.6.7 and .8 will all be discontinued April 2016. Now, who is still using these? Grandma? Um, that's a good question. Um, Windows XP is, uh, 
as of what June, officially unsupported by Microsoft, right? Vista is ending support in 2017. I want to say. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of ahead. On the that XP one is hard to remember because they kept pushing it back so much. Yeah, right. I think the cutoff was June 16th. Well, June according of this year. according to Google, though, they say that XP and Vista are no longer actively supported. Oh, no longer. So they're in the present tense. Yeah, so they're done. Mm, so and Vista's done even. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, from the point of view of of a computer user who's up on the times, why are you still on XP and Vista? <laughs> Upgrade. Windows 10 is free. Well, part of Upgrade. me wants to say, Google hasn't made this announcement before, haven't they? This seems like old news to me. Yeah, yeah, they announced it in February, I want to say. That they, that yeah, they didn't have any solid dates, and they thought it would just be XP at the time. And this yeah. is the announcement where they said, eh, we decided to clean house a little bit more thoroughly. And, uh, yeah, and they're including Mac OS X 10.6, 10.7, and 10.8. And uh, forgive my naivete, but what, what version is El Capitan? Is that 10.12? 10.11, I think. 10.11? I um, think. I'm not a Mac guy, but I believe. And all upgrades since 10.8, I believe, are free. I could be wrong. So there's no reason not to upgrade there. El Capitan is 10.11. 10.11, okay. Was was I right? Is that what I said? Yes, I love being right. (laughs) I can't even remember what I said two minutes ago, let alone a week Mm. ago, Glue. Come on, brother. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, there's no reason why you shouldn't be upgraded. And, and you know, if you don't use Google Chrome, then I guess you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> You've just given up on life and you're... I need the big blue E to get to my AOL mail. If you're still on Windows 95, Netscape Navigator is still the best choice for you. So stick with that. You can only load about 2% of the web, so... That much? <laughs> That's pretty much. And it'll take you four days. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why everyone goes on about this interwebs. All I see are these little broken icons everywhere. <laughs> it's the same picture everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that, that means your browser can't render that. Um, in other obsolete tech, the Betamax. Sony yeah. has finally killed the Betamax. About time. You know, I thought that this was dead, and I was talking to, I think, my boss at work, and I was talking about how how the Betamax died like 30 years ago, and he's like, no, it's still very much used by media. Yeah. Because for the one big reason that it can can host high-definition video, and for a long time, too, and the only reason that VHS won out over it is because VHS was cheaper. Kind of the same reason Blu-ray went out over HD DVD. Well, that and because well, the porn industry adopted it. <laughs> actually, no. The porn industry, that you had that backwards, actually. The porn industry adopted it because VHS was already the standard. And when it comes to high definition, it only allowed 10 additional scan lines. So it, it was, and for TVs in the 80s, 10 scan lines was nothing. It couldn't, you couldn't see it. No, oh, that's true. Okay, good point. I also added, allowed for more audio tracks. This uh, is true. This is true. More audio tracks instead of two. Um, the big reason was that uh, VHS was cheaper, 
And not just that, but at launch, the VHS tape could go two hours or be extended, do extended play to four hours, and Betamax could only do one. Now, the thing that confuses me the most about all this is that Betamax was evidently still a thing. Yeah, that is surprising. And and you know the weirdest thing about this, and I say this as a Japanese person, this isn't meant to sound racist, (laughs) but the Japanese are weird about their tech. Keep in mind that only last year, the mini-disc was finally retired. The Sony Mega mini-disc, also another Sony product, yeah. And um, they're still working on, oh, what, I forget what their other one is, I apologize. But all these formats have lasted far longer than they ever should have. The rest mm-hmm. of the world has moved forward by leaps and bounds, and even though Japan in particular is with the world, they still keep all this old tech running for far longer than anyone else. Many businesses that have to do business with Japan have to keep a fax machine on hand just for their Japanese office because now, Japanese it, people don't like email. Is that a cultural thing then where they just hold on to the past? Does it does it have something to do with that? Or yeah, what why is that, Zook? You're Japanese, you should know. Got me. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's the case in in the Betamax. I mean, like Zoner said, it's still used in media today, um, for whatever reason. Over over other options, uh, it's it's used very. Uh, I mean, it's it's used. It's in demand, and so that's that's one of the reasons why it's has has stayed around for so long. Uh, why are they killing it? I don't know. They're sick of making them. <laughs> I, I like people it. are still buying them. Now, all I can think about is that why didn't they move to hard drive, to digital storage? I don't know. Why do people still use tape backup for their computer systems? Probably the same reason. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the biggest reason to move away from any format like this, and Schmitty, you and I get to deal with this whenever we make videos, um, you know, CES or Comic-Con or whatnot. Schmitty's video camera is one of the newer models where everything is stored digitally. So when we're done recording to transfer it to a computer, you click and drag the file to the computer. Just one generation before that, the mini DV format, if you had something on mini DV and you wanted to transfer it to a computer, you had to hit play on the camera and hit record on the computer. So if you had two hours of video, then theoretically you could be sitting there for two hours as your computer recorded it into the system. It was a one-to-one analog transfer. And if you were lucky enough to, or or rich enough to have a digital transcoder, you could do it in double time or triple time. Yeah, <laughs> but but still the point is, is that it still wasn't a, just a file transfer. It was ridiculous. And I think that's the biggest question as to why Betamax stayed around because it would have been an analog transfer as well, no matter what it was that you were trying to record. Yeah. So it's one of those weird Japanese questions we may never have an answer to. Next time you're over there, I want you to get some answers for us, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take them to task, okay? Um, and ask, in other, ask your dad. Ask yes. your dad. He'll know. Sure, sure. Dad I haven't knows. talked to him in 10 years. Um, in other obsolete tech, uh, the Firefox OS has <laughs> launched... <laughs> Okay, so uh, okay. Firefox OS for your mobile phone. There's a couple phones with it already. And if you want to get a test for it, they have released a developer preview, uh, which replaces the launcher on your Android phone. This is a developer preview. I have to stress that. So it means it's not complete. It's not perfect. It's kind of like a beta. 
That being said, I installed it on my phone and tried to use it for a couple days. I made it 15 minutes. <laughs> Pretty bad, That's huh? longer than I did. <laughs> it is horrible. It's yeah. like the jitterbug of smartphones. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, and, and, like, and like you said, it's a developer preview, so give it a month or two, and it, and it might be better. I, I think they're, they're going for... Um, Going for the idea that you know simplicity is better, which which I get. You know, a lot of people are starting to cram their phone full of apps and stuff, and so this is kind of trying to simplify it. Which Microsoft did a really good job at with their launcher. Um, yeah, I don't remember the name of that. But uh, yeah, the Arrow launcher. Yeah, so I, I can see that that Firefox OS is trying to go in that direction. They're just failing at it right now. <laughs> um, so yeah. like really hard. You know, I find it interesting looking at the phones that it's available for or the the Firefox OS devices that they have. The majority of them are are ZTE and Alcatel devices. Alcatel still around? Oh, Alcatel, yeah. Yeah, Alcatel's around. Trust me, they're around. They're generally not known for being like high-end devices. Yeah. And so I don't know, is Firefox kind of targeting like what would normally be the quote unquote budget Android devices and saying, hey, we can make phones. it even cheaper. It's the, it's the cricket phones. You go buy a cricket phone and it's I, I think Schmidty's right. I think Firefox. Yeah, it's the it's whoever will take us. <laughs> it's it's the pay as you go phone you pick up on your way out of the grocery store. <laughs> it's the burner that you get at Seven <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> I, I know. I I haven't been happy with Firefox lately. I before using Chrome, I was a Firefox fanboy, and um, recently I haven't I, been happy with Firefox since like version fourteen, dude. Oh yeah, once they started that whole six week release cycle. <laughs> um, so I uh, after getting Firefox OS and and being really disappointed in that. I tried the Firefox browser again on Android because last time I tried it, it had some hiccups and I didn't really like it and uninstalled it after 15 minutes. Well, it was the same scenario this time. I installed it, wouldn't load any web pages, still still really slow. I don't even know. I, and I have a flagship phone. I, you know, it's not like I have a f- slow phone. I have the LG G3. So if I, I don't know what Firefox is doing, but with all, with what I've seen them do recently and seeing that they're putting it on all these lower end phones i'm i'm wondering what their end game is here their apps they, seem like they take a lot of resources they just want you to slow down <laughs> why do you need to do 15 things on your smartphone slow yeah. down schmitty you use it as a phone one app if you're running two apps you're doing it wrong <laughs> how will you enjoy your app experience yeah, no, seriously, the thing is just frustrating. I would not wish this on anyone. Well, you know, Schmidt, kind of to answer your question, what they're doing, you know how Chrome has the user profiles. You log in on your computer. You can log in on your phone. Your bookmarks, everything, transfer, you know, your history, all that stuff, it's there. Mm-hmm. Maybe Firefox is kind of hoping that if they can get in on smartphones uh, in the ghetto, that... When these people go to the public library and use the computer there to get on the internet, that they'll 
gravitate towards Firefox because that's what they're accustomed to. It's kind of like the Microsoft thing. We'll give you Microsoft products free in school so that when you get into the business world, you'll continue using them. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I think the key that they're missing there, then, is the fact that the products that they need to get people used to using need to frackin' work. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) That's a very good point. Otherwise, I think it's going to condition them the opposite way. Oh, my gosh, I'll never use Firefox. As a kid, that stuff never worked. (laughs) Budget OS for a budget phone. I never, ever want that again. I mean, like, look, look look at Amazon. They have their their Fire OS. Um, and, and they were trying to do exactly that, Zona, that it, get people in on the Fire OS, get them using Amazon services, and then they're hooked on Amazon services for life. It worked to a point, except for the fact that Fire OS sucks. So they succeeded in, in one end of it, but completely failed on the delivery end of it. So it, I see your point that that might be where they're going, but they're still failing. Yeah, they did a bad job. Bad, bad Mozilla. Um, and some interesting news. It turns out Vizios might be uh, doing some not-so-great stuff. Their new smart TVs may be tracking your viewing habits and giving that information to advertisers to better target you with ads. I'm sounds really familiar. Yeah, it sounds really familiar, but I had hoped better from Vizio. See, I like Vizio. Yeah, they don't make the highest-end equipment, but... They don't try to. Their entire goal is to go into a marketplace, give a quality product for a cut-rate price, and disrupt the market. And they do it with almost everything they do. So the fact that they had something like a smart TV was kind of awesome, right? Cool. Only to find that they're doing this now. Yeah, well, okay, so here's the thing I don't get. Anytime, anytime the internet finds out that, that someone's doing this, tracking whatever so that they can they can deal better advertisements they flip out okay the internet flips out every time we figure we find something out and that's what i don't get and i i keep saying this and i'll say this forever is that i would rather get advertisements that that coincide with my my habits my viewing my viewing habits or you know things i'm interested in than a billion other ads that i don't even care about actually no the other way around i'd rather get a, a billion ads that 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 are targeted towards me than one ad that's not targeted towards me. Oh, well, and see, I don't get that. Not not about you, because I agree. But Google captures all this information about us, right? Right. And people don't lose their minds. Well, no, no, well, that, they, they do. They do. Yeah. But despite that, I still have to deal with alcohol ads when pulling up YouTube videos. Despite well, not the more, f- I've got YouTube red. Well, you, that's you. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It knows what I search for. It knows that it's a weird eclectic blend of geek videos, the same channels, and the occasional, you know, c- cartoon stuff for my kids or Sesame Street for you. Right? And if they know this stuff, why are the advertisers still freaking giving us alcohol ads or those like Thai dating service <laughs> ad- or, or horror never- movie trailers? Because they know you're in your mid 30s and have four kids and know that you might need alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Good point there. Would you like some or, Bacardi and an escort? <laughs> yeah. I how about this great horror movie to go escort. see? Midlife crisis. This is how we spell it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and that's my thing is like, okay, so Vizio is giving information to advertisers. When are we going to ever get evidence that advertisers are actually caring? 
Well, that's a good point. Because I, I get the impression that Vizio and Apple and Google through YouTube and Microsoft and everyone else is giving this tracking information to advertisers. And advertisers aren't taking it and saying, ah, Schmitty, I see that he views a lot of kids' shows always during these times. And then he looks at a lot of video game videos during these times. And then usually these kind of music videos. So I'm going to tailor his ad profile for that during these times. Instead, I get the feeling that that advertisers are instead going, Oh, hey, there's this guy named Schmitty. Give him ads. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I see your point there, but I, I, I think that more and more advertisers are starting to, to cater ads to our interests. And the reason I say that is because I'm, I'm finding less and less ads that, um, that don't apply to me at all. It's, it's, it's the exception now where, you know, I'll, I'll see an ad and, and, and say, oh, that doesn't even apply to me anymore. I mean, I, I ran uh, for about a month and a half or so. I disabled my ad blocker just to prove, just to test that fact. And most of the ads were, you know, for like new egg or uh, related to things I've purchased on Amazon. And there, there were rarely any ads that, you know, had to do with alcohol or, I was uh, gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say. No, that's just because they brainwashed you, and now you're a steady drunk with the side Asian wife on the side. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's totally different now. I don't see any ads I'm not interested in. He already has the Russian bride. We don't need to give him any more of those ads. <laughs> Time for a Czechoslovakian. <laughs> oh, Eastern European sister wives. That's a that's a TLC <laughs> reality show waiting to happen. Wow. Wow, that was mm. wow. Okay, um, you know what? Let's actually s- skip over this next one. Maybe we'll get back to it. But uh, I want to go into YouTube Music, which launched today. I've mixed feelings on this, and I will explain why. But first, what is it? It's a new app. It's a new channel where it takes what I've seen, because I installed it on my Android, and it takes the different music that I've searched out on YouTube and curates it and builds a playlist for me and it's the same you see on pandora or spotify where it kind of will just automatically and endlessly play songs it suggests for you which is a cool idea right now it's free for everyone but if you're a subscriber to google music then you or google play or google youtube youtube red yeah okay that's right <laughs> i'm trying to remember because it's one of their google services <laughs> Yeah, if you're a subscriber to YouTube Red, you get some additional features. But even if you're not, you can still use it. Here's what's cool. It seems to have a pretty good algorithm on remembering things I've looked up in the past and curating them into a pretty decent playlist. Here's the dumb thing about it. It's not music. They're videos of music, which means if I'm on my phone, I still have to have the video open and at the form front... For it to work. It's not like it's an audio player where I can go to another app and it still plays. Uh, no, it, it plays in the background. Now, it, I, I do have to say, I, you know, I, I do have YouTube Red. It's free for the first month. Um, and I wonder if it's because of that that I, that I get the background play. Great. Are the added features are that it works? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and you're right. If, if it doesn't work like that, then it's kind of useless because it's the same as just having YouTube open and and playing the music from 
the YouTube app itself. However, the I will argue that the UI is a little more conducive to just music because you can't I can't search for uh you know cute kitten attacking dog or something like that. It's not going to come up on here. It's it it's curated for only music. Um and it and it builds these playlists based on what you have previously viewed, which is awesome because <laughs> I don't have to I don't have to build my own playlist because they're already all there. The um, playlist is an awesome feature, but no, I just tried it again. I just pulled one up, I hit play, and while playing, I hit my home button, and it immediately stopped. It's not in my huh. it's not in my pull down. It's not active at all. It's not on my lock screen. Turned is I it, cranked my volume up right here on the mic. Nothing. Okay, so it's probably probably because you don't have YouTube Red, and that that is a downside to it, um, because to get that feature, you have to pay ten dollars a month. Which seems like a rather large break in the app itself. Like, I agree yes. that playlist feature is awesome, but it's nothing that couldn't have been added to the normal YouTube app. All this being said, I also installed it on my wife's phone. She's really excited because oftentimes she can connect to her Chromecast. We have a couple Chromecasts here in the house, and we've really grown in love with those. And she can connect this to the Chromecast and that when you're when you're casting, in case you're not familiar with it, when you're casting to a Chromecast, you don't have to have that app at the forefront, right? And in that way, it works quite well. Yeah. It, the only disconnect that I see here is that there is no crossover with Google Music. All my Google which is music surprising, is completely separate. Yeah, you think that a YouTube Music app would be bridging the gap between YouTube and Google Music, but that's not so. All my Google Music is still completely separate. I have to go to the, a different app for that um, and then back to YouTube Music for the YouTube Music. But the difference is that I didn't pay for any of the YouTube Music. The Google... Actually, no, yes, I am now. <laughs> $10 a month. But the, And the Google Music is, is $7 a month, or I think it's 10 for people that didn't get in on the early part. So... It they're they're double dipping right there where they have two different music services. It's going to become confusing for people. That's the only downside. I'm As we just witnessed with you trying to figure this out. I know. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking through. I'm like, wait, they're double dipping. I'm as soon as this free month is over, I'm paying 17 bucks a month for two music services from the same company. <laughs> wait a minute, I'm getting screwed. <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> that's not cool. Do you think that people will eventually catch on to that and that this will have some serious overhauls and how it's kind of done or do you think Google is just going to say I don't care we're doing what we want and I don't know honestly because I it's always seemed like they've kept YouTube siloed from the rest of their their infrastructure kind of like like Zook just mentioned the ads like yeah they track everything you're doing except for the YouTube ads kind of seem disconnected from that grossly well, and, inappropriate and to be fair he isn't paying for two different music services he's paying for a music service and a video service that comes with a music service. Yes. <laughs> which, I'm, I'm which, doesn't, to, which doesn't simplify it at all, I'm just saying. In, in, in the end, I'm paying to not see ads on, on YouTube. And as a bonus, I get to switch apps while I'm listening to YouTube music. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, look at you in your high tower. I know. <laughs> not all of us are moving on up, okay? Hey, first month is free. Um, Anyone can afford free. On uh, our can't. final headline, this is kind of cool. Guess who's leading the way when it comes to augmented reality and automobile manufacturing? Hmm, Ferrari? Hyundai. Oh. 
So previously, in years past, they would release the owner's manual as a downloadable app for your mobile device. Typically, when they did this, it was an iPad. It was more like a PDF. Yeah. Now, they're doing it with an augmented reality. And currently, it's only for the Sonata. But the idea is, and this is really cool to watch. They're going to bring out more models here soon. Right now, it's only the one car. But you can, with your tablet or your phone, you can view different parts of the car and it will see what you're looking at, and it knows exactly, precisely what that is. Oh, you're looking at the air vents, and you can click on them, and it opens the article on the air vents and how to do it. It comes with instructional videos and how-to diagrams and everything. You can go into the engine compartment and explode out the different pieces and pull the engine apart to see where everything is. And this is how to replace your radiator. This, this is, to- is epic. This is what yeah. I've always wanted from augmented reality. Yeah. I, and it's it, it's awesome that that we're getting it now. It's kind. Of, I think it's kind of late because we've had augmented reality for a while. I really hope to see this across more manufacturers and probably something that's that's more of a standard, something you could get for all makes. I don't know. That's just me dreaming. I I can't wait to see it on Hololens. Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Into our favorites. Mine is a bit of augmented reality as well, but it comes from an interesting source. The Army has teamed up with Google to create a kind of semi-recruitment site. Um, oh, geez, I've even forgotten the name of it. Uh, Cryptarisis? Yes. Cryptaris. Whatever. It points <laughs> out the fact that the Army doesn't just need combat soldiers anymore. Uh, in the modern day, we need people who with real strong STEM skills. Again, that's science, technical, engineering, mathematics... And it deals with things like trajectory mapping, uh, cryptography. It has great games where you, it actually pulls your location and says, okay, get to this node and hack it. You have to get there within five minutes. There are enemy agents out there to jam you, and you can actually see them on your map. There's a desktop version and a mobile version. They're incredibly immersive, incredibly well-built. I'm not doing justice by telling you about this, but you really should Check it out. It's quite cool. It's a very Call of Duty kind of browser-esque game without the first-person shooting element. It's really awesome. Check it out. Awesome. I will. Uh, my favorite um, mashes together two of my fa- two of my favorites from the past. Uh, Bruno Mars Uptown Funk and Strong Bad from HomestarRunner.com. This is Uptown Fahuva Gods. And for any Homestar Runner fans, you'll know what I'm talking about. With Fahuva Gods. I think it was from email number nine from Strive Emails. Um, so check this out. It's pretty entertaining. It fits together surprisingly well. Yes, it does. <laughs> and my favorite is from a comedy troupe, that the right word, uh, yeah. called Axis of Awesome. Yeah, a lot of people have been sharing their four chord song uh, a lot lately, uh, even though that's like four or five years old. But I was looking through some of their videos on YouTube, and one of their guys, um, Jordan, I believe it is, does an epic cover of Lose Yourself by Eminem. And I swear that this is the greatest thing I've seen on the internet in weeks. I just enjoyed myself immensely as I watched this, and I'm sure that you will too. And as you watch it, just stop and think to yourself, yeah, this is Zoner. Yeah, it, it sounds like he's having a stroke. In the middle of it, and yet it still sounds pretty true to the original. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 
It's con- especially considering the only, let's be honest, the only words any of us know are mom spaghetti and you better lose yourself. Um, again, <laughs> that is our show this week. We want some feedback. We want to hear what you're thinking. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Write us at feedback at stolendroids.com. Follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook or Google Plus us. We'd love to see that, too. Until next time, cheers. And the blind. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.